Episode number 205 of the Emotionally Equipped Podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're listening to, I am the author of the books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. These books are based on two self-help tools I created that support you in getting unstuck and getting clear so you can live deliberately. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I have a special treat for you. I am on vacation with my family, and even though that's the case, I was still planning on creating my weekly episode for you. I usually record my episodes on Sundays or Mondays, but this week I was a little busy with the holiday and my family, And even last night, which was Monday, I was chanting in the forest with some friends around a bonfire. So I figured I'd record the podcast this morning, Tuesday. And then I woke up and received a text message from my friend Esther, who told me she had an epic, unstuck, and clear story to share, and it would be a great story for the podcast. She asked me if I wanted her to share it here on the podcast, and I welcomed her to do so with joy. I did just have a listen to the story, and it is a great one. And in fact, I'm going to surprise Esther with something funny at the end of the episode. So make sure you tune in until the end. Okay, happy listening. Hello, Shira's dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. As you can hear, I am not Shira, but I will be your host for this podcast today, and I have an epic story to tell you. Before I do so, I want to thank and acknowledge Shira for letting me tell this story on her podcast. First, let me say that today, the day I'm recording this episode, that is, is March 30th. And if you've been listening to the podcast this month, then you know that the focus word for March is trusting. Shira, thank you for trusting me with your podcast this week. Listeners, I need to tell you, Shira doesn't know the story I'm about to tell. In fact, if I'm able to edit this podcast myself, she might be hearing it for the first time at the same time that you do. And if she is editing it, then she's hearing it only a few minutes before it goes live. Now, it's probably worth mentioning that Shira and I have known each other for several years. Some of you listeners may know me as well. My name is Esther Goldenberg, and I was a guest on this podcast a while back. I believe it was episode number 120. Shira and I have coached each other many times over the past few years, and we're good friends. So she hasn't just handed off the mic to a stranger. But still, I think it's rather trusting of her to have no idea what I'm going to do with that mic, and still trust me with the content, with the tech components, and with the timing to publish this episode today. And as she always does, she's taught me something by example today. You see, while I want to acknowledge her trust in me and maybe some courage it took to try something new on her podcast this week, there was yet another level of this experience that I hadn't noticed or thought of until Shira pointed it out, possibly without even realizing. You see, right now, as I record this podcast, just a few short hours before it goes live, Shira is out biking with her son. She's having a great time in the beautiful weather with one of her kids. She's having fun, and she thanked me for that gift. It was funny to me because I think I'm the one receiving the gift. I'm getting her trust and I get to have the fun of telling my epic story from yesterday, which I'm going to get to in just a minute. I just had to point out for myself and for anyone else listening that when you trust someone, you get a gift. 
she's trusting me with the podcast and receiving the gift of free time. It's not just that she's allowing me to share the story on her podcast, but she's trusting me that the episode she shares with the world today that she didn't record will be okay. She's not worrying about it, second-guessing it, or looking over my shoulder. She's trusting, and so she's free. Thank you, Shira, for showing me by example, once again, a wonderful way of being, and some of the benefits. And thank you for letting me share my epic story with your listeners, and you. I promise that it's on the topic of being emotionally equipped, and I promise that I am showing up and doing my best for you and your audience. Now, here's what happened. My daughter and I moved to Israel about six months ago. We actually live in the little community that Shira lives in, about a two-minute walk from her house. This is no coincidence. Right now in Israel, it's spring vacation. Passover began a few days ago. School is out. The weather is beautiful, and it's a great time to go places. I'm so excited to be in Israel that I'm happy to stay and walk in this little community where we live, where a duck came to visit my front porch one day, and I walked by the cows on a morning walk, and I'm happy to take bigger trips to other parts of the country. In addition, I've been here before, and on one of my earlier trips, I was introduced to a great playground in a town called Herzliya, which is just north of Tel Aviv. I told my daughter and her friend about this playground, and I happily promised to take them there one day during spring break, because it's about an hour and 15 minutes from where we live. I'm happy to drive that distance, but it doesn't make any sense to do after school. It made more sense to make a day out of it during spring break, so that's what we did. Yesterday, I took my daughter and this friend, and we drove south. On the way, they were listening to a book on the phone while I drove in silence. We all enjoyed the views from the car windows. We stopped at the sea and skipped some stones in a stream. We made another stop to see giant turtles, and then we got to the playground around noon. They had snacked in the car and were raring to go when they saw the four-story tunnel slide with the rope bridges that you have to climb to get there, and they played happily on that and the other playground equipment for about an hour. Okay, all of this is just setting the stage, just a little background information for the big story. After about an hour, they were both finished playing and ready to leave the park. Neither wanted to stop at another playground or a nature spot. They just wanted to go home. That was fine with me. I didn't really have an agenda for the day. I was happy to have the freedom of no time constraints. I was in a good mood. They were in a good mood. They were just ready to go. So we walked back to the car. They put the earphones back on to continue listening to the funny book they were enjoying. And I decided to get gas before getting on the highway. Here's where the action is going to pick up. See, I had a quarter tank of gas in the car already. This is important. I'd left home with a half a tank, so it seemed like a quarter tank might be enough to make it back, but half the population of Israel is on the roads this week going to enjoy nature, and the navigation app told me that what was an hour and 15 minutes to arrive was going to take two and a half hours to return. I didn't want to be stuck on the side of the road with two kids and no gas, so I decided to get gas. Now, I need to tell you something about getting gas in Israel. It's very different from getting gas in America. First, you just start off in a confused state, or at least I do. The price is in shekels and the unit is in liters. So when I pay six shekels for a liter of gas, I really have no clue how much that costs or how much gas I'm getting because I'm used to thinking in dollars and gallons. But I don't actually need to know the numbers. I'm just saying before even pulling into a gas station, there's no sense of familiarity or understanding. Quite the opposite, at least for me. But I'm an adult, and I live in this country now, and I thought getting gas was something I should master. Why not right now? See, my car is new. Well, new to me. It's actually a 2004 Toyota, but I just got it about a month ago. And yes, I've needed gas in that time, but there's a little gas station about five minutes from where we live where you can pull in and it's full service. And when the nice man there asks me for my ID number, I tell him I don't remember. 
For those of you living in America, do you notice how different that is? That you're asked your ID number, like your social security number, to get gas. Then, when he asks me my car number, I tell him I don't know that either, because does that mean my VIN or my license plate or something else? Either way, I don't know the number, and if it's the license plate, well, he can see it. He's on the outside of the car. Anyway, my ignorance has never prevented me from getting gas. He always pumps it, takes my credit card, and I'm good to go. So there I was in Herzliya near the playground. The kids were content and quiet in the back seat, and I didn't want to run out of gas and be stuck. So I decided to overcome this challenge. I'm an adult, a car owner, and I need gas. I can do this. I put my credit card in. So far, so good. The screen gave me instructions in Hebrew. Okay, I expected that. I always say, whenever we get stuck, it's because our experience didn't match our expectations, whether we knew those expectations at the time or not. I expected Hebrew. I speak Hebrew and read it. And my Hebrew is not perfect. I knew it could be hard, but I was going to try. The little screen asked me to put in my ID number and then push enter. I tried just pushing enter. Success! Then it asked for my car number, then push enter. I just pushed enter and it asked me again for my car number. So I walked to the back, checked my license plate and put the number in. Success! Then it said something like, Congratulations, Esther, you have mastered the system in Israel. You may begin pumping. Okay, it didn't really say that, but I felt like a champion. And it did say I could begin pumping. So I got the nozzle and tried to put it in the gas tank. It was a little tricky. The tank of the car that I had never filled personally was a little different than I was used to. Even though in the States I had a Toyota, here the models are a little bit different. There was like a rubber part that you had to push past to get the nozzle in. Okay, no problem. I was a champion of Israeli gas stations. I could do this. Turned out I just needed to shift the nozzle to the right a little, and then it was no struggle at all. I pulled the handle up and began pumping. The numbers flew by. Shekels and liters go a lot faster than dollars and gallons. So when the little counter said I was at 100 shekels, I stopped. No matter how much or how little gas that was, I knew it was enough to get us home. I didn't need to worry about being on the side of the road with kids in a foreign country. We had snacks, we had entertainment, we had gas. And I had done it! Yes! I didn't actually do a happy dance, but I was on cloud nine. Okay, so we left the gas station. At about the end of the block, maybe two blocks, I had to make a right turn down the ramp to get on Route 20. So I did. I'm driving along, queen of the world, and I see traffic ahead. No problem, I expected that. Plus, I'm not even at the traffic yet. I was driving 80 kilometers per hour. I have no idea how fast that is, but we were moving right along. Except when my foot was on the gas pedal, it made a really weird noise. Really weird. Like, the car was still new to me, but it had never made a noise before. I took my foot off the pedal and coasted. No problem. On the pedal, weird noise. Actually, more of a concerning noise. I wondered, had I not fully shifted into drive? Was the shift a little bit in neutral somehow? No. The brake obviously wasn't on, but I checked anyway. Coasting was fine. All this is within the first two minutes of the drive, and I'm actually starting to think that I'm going to take the first exit off the highway to check it out. Then we got to the traffic. It wasn't standstill. It felt like maybe five or ten miles per hour. Slowing down was no problem. But when I put my foot on the gas to move forward, it was as if the car was laughing at me. Like, lady, you think you have a car that moves forward with gas? And then I thought to myself, oh no. 
Actually, I did think something with four letters, but those weren't the four letters. And since I was in a car with kids at the time, and now I'm telling this story on a podcast, we'll just go with, oh no, for our four letter word. You see, in all my focus on mastering the pump, I'd forgotten a worry that I'd held for a long time. How will I know which gas is regular and which is diesel? I pulled over to the shoulder, sure that I had put diesel in the little Toyota hatchback. So there I was, stuck on the side of the road, with kids in a new country, an hour and 15 minutes from home, if there were no traffic. Can you guess what happened next? S. I stopped. Specifically, I stopped the car on the side of the road, on the shoulder, and I turned it off. T. I told myself how I was feeling. There were two things. The first one was foolish. The second one was, let's say, fear light. I wasn't gripped by fear for our lives, more like fear from being in a new situation that I didn't know how to handle and that I'd have to handle it with kids at the same time. And by the way, they're not little, they're nine and 10. So anyway, I was stuck on feeling foolish and some light fear, or maybe you could say unnerved. You, I uncovered why I was feeling that way. Well, I felt foolish because I'd put diesel in a regular engine. Foolish because I hadn't been thorough in my process of making sure I did the gas right. Foolish because I'd felt so proud of my accomplishment, and yet, look at what I had accomplished. Now, was that 100% correct? Was I a fool? Was my behavior foolish? Ignorant, maybe. Overly confident, maybe. But it's not 100% certain that it was foolish. So, C. I considered accidents happen. Then I went back to you because I wanted to uncover my feelings about being unnerved. I was unnerved because I couldn't call AAA and I didn't know what one does when on the side of the road in Israel. And yes, I had thoughts about keeping the kids entertained and questions about when we'd get back home, but we had snacks and they had phones and it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. The weather was fine and they hadn't even noticed yet that we were stopped. So that concerned me less. So I focused on you. What was it that I believed that had me unnerved? I believed that I didn't know what to do when my car broke down. Was that 100% true? Well, no, actually, because I had already done something. I had pulled over. So I went on to see for consider. I considered asking for help. I called my friend Yossi, who helped me buy this car, and he helped me get the insurance for this car, and he's the father of the friend who we brought on this trip. He's also Israeli and speaks perfect Hebrew and English, plus has experience with things like gas and cars and insurance in Israel. So I called him and I sent him a picture of my gas receipt that I didn't understand, but he took one look at and confirmed that I had, as I suspected, put diesel in the tank. He then called my insurance company and arranged for towing. I also sent a text to my friend Julie. She lives about 15 minutes from where I broke down. That is, from where the car broke down. She lives so close to that great park in Herzliya that we had hoped to meet up, but she had a big appointment in Tel Aviv that day and didn't know if she'd make it back in time. When I texted her saying, can you talk? I'm stuck on the side of the road. She was just getting back to town and said she'd come and pick us up. When I reached out, I was hoping that would be the result, but I also knew that she could support me in getting a taxi to her house or back to the park or some temporary situation that was better than what we had. So like I said, C, I considered asking for help and I did ask for help. I was grateful to receive it right away, but the truth is, even if I hadn't received my first choice help, there were other things I could do to ask for help. Finally, K, kindness. I could have beaten myself up for my foolishness. I could have worried that my new-to-me car was ruined, but instead, I was kind to myself. Accidents happen. 
So there I was, my car was stuck on the side of the road, and I was on the side of the road, but I was not stuck. So I could get clear. And this is where, in my opinion, the story gets even better. C. I got calm. I got the kids out of the car and over the guardrail into the grass. I calmly told them what was going on and gave them their phones to play with. I took a moment to enjoy the beautiful spring air. L. Lightened. Instead of thinking to myself, I know we're going to be here forever, I thought, we might be here for a while. E. Expectations. I wished we could get to Julie's house soon because I could charge my phone there and look for a train. A. I accepted that we were on the side of the road and we'd be there for an unknown amount of time and I'd have to conserve my phone battery, using it only for the necessities, like communicating with Yossi, who checked in for the exact location and my relevant numbers for the insurance, and Julie, who also needed our location, and was updating me on hers. R. Responsibility. It was time for me to decide who I wanted to be in this moment, in this situation. Who I wanted to be was a flexible person enjoying an adventure. And so I was. And I'll tell you what I did while I was being a flexible person enjoying an adventure in just a moment, because now I really want to tell you what I believe is the most amazing part of this whole story. Ready? Everything I just described above, the getting unstuck process and the clear process, the acronyms that are so helpful and I told you exactly how I went through each letter, here's the amazing thing. All of that was instantaneous. It all happened in less than a second. So how can that be? Imagine if I had a teleportation device, something my family and I have longed for, but imagine that I used it to teleport you here to Israel, to the field at the edge of my neighborhood for exactly one second. And imagine that you traveled in this cool teleportation device with your senses off. You couldn't see, hear, smell, touch, or taste, but when you arrived, they were on. And you were only here for a second before you left and were back home again. If I asked you about your time here, you might say that you saw the clear blue sky. You saw cows grazing. You saw the green grass and the flowers that are an explosion of yellow. You might say that you smelled those flowers and the cows too, and that you heard a tractor off in the distance. You felt that the ground beneath your feet, even beneath your shoes, was rocky and there was a slight breeze. You could do that and more in one second, right? You couldn't describe it in one second, but you could experience it in one second. Because you are so used to registering information from your senses, it's instantaneous sometimes. And that, my dear listeners, Shira's dear listeners, was what I felt like yesterday. I felt so emotionally equipped that I got unstuck and got clear instantaneously, and that it's only the description of the experience that takes a long time. And to me, that is absolutely epic. Yesterday, I had a great fun, fabulous adventure with the kids before, during, and after the car broke down. The story could have gone way differently. And so, the other thing that I want to emphasize about it is that the story isn't an isolated event. It didn't happen in a bubble. It happened after years of experience and practice with Shira's tools, and with Shira herself. And if you're a regular podcast listener, then I imagine you show up here every week because you learn a lot from Shira. And if you've worked with her in a group or one-on-one, then I don't need to convince you that learning from her and doing the work is life-changing. I just want to say that I still use the tools at regular speed for different situations. Not everything happens instantaneously. But because I had the strong foundation of this work and these tools and Shira's support, 
I could use that foundation as a basis for transforming what could have been a really hard day into a really wonderful one, and I think it's that foundation that's the key. As we know, practice makes possible. It's true with anything. If you practice running 30 minutes every day or a few days a week, well, I don't, but it makes a simple analogy, I think. If you practice running 30 minutes a day or a few days a week, then it's easy to see how running for 45 minutes one day won't be that hard. But if one day you just get up and try to go for a 45-minute run and you've never practiced, it's going to be much harder. Because I've practiced these tools, speak this language, and have a strong foundation, I could meet the hypothetical challenge of yesterday with ease. So, just to let you know what happened in the end, we did go to Julie's house and we had a nice big snack and a fun quick visit with her and her husband. Then they drove us to the train station. I asked for help in getting tickets, and for $30, we all got a really fun and relaxing ride back north, where Yossi picked us up. Oh, and one other thing happened while we were still on the side of the road. Somebody else pulled up behind us. They were having car troubles, too. It was a mom and her teenage daughter, and it turned out that their back fender was almost falling off. I asked them if they needed help, and I ended up helping them actually with some strings from bags I had in the trunk so that they could tie their fender back on. And I asked what happened. The girl said, it was my fault. She was clearly a new driver. And she didn't feel proud of what had happened. And I said, well, let me tell you what I did today and why we're on the side of the road. And maybe you'll feel a little bit better. And so my story of my mix-up actually did help her feel better. And as for my car, well, it was towed to a mechanic nearby and I haven't heard anything yet. It's either ruined or it's not, but my worrying about it or making backup plans or beating myself up isn't going to change whether or not it's ruined. So instead of that, I'm trusting that I will be able to handle whatever comes. And I'm having fun telling this story on a podcast. I just love how opportunities abound when I'm not stuck. And that, Shira's dear listeners, is my story. If you've listened to this whole episode, I want to thank you for trusting me with your time and attention today. I hope you had some fun. I know I did, and I know Shira did on her bike ride. Be sure to tune into the podcast next Tuesday, the first Tuesday in April, to learn what the new focus word will be. And if you're not already following Shira Gura on Instagram, I highly recommend you do so now. I'm not that savvy on Instagram personally, but I do follow Shira there, and I'm glad I do. I would follow her just about anywhere. I learned so much from her teachings and her examples. So, Shira's dear listeners, if this is your first time listening, be sure to head over to shiragura.com to familiarize yourself with her tools. Being emotionally equipped is amazing. Shira, thank you for the honor and the fun of telling this story on your podcast. As always, I look forward to becoming more and more emotionally equipped with you. Esther, episode 39. Enjoy! Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. If you'd like to continue this conversation, join me over on Instagram at Shira Gura. I look forward to engaging with you over there. See you next week.